It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. I'm your host, Stephen Igo. Got another exciting edition of the podcast here. And we are recording on Sunday ahead of a week that we'll see the Pirates start preseason practice. An exciting time as the college football season almost upon us. It's the final day of July, about to turn to August. And we are almost to preseason camp. And then once camp starts, which the Pirates will open practice on Wednesday, then the real fun begins because it just flies by, at least from my perspective, being out there multiple times per week covering practice and having interviews and doing all that stuff. It just flies by. And before we know it, the NC State season opener on September 3rd will be here. So really looking forward to the coming weeks. I have a lot to discuss on this podcast in particular. I'll be joined later by Glenn Griffin. The content producer uh, does a lot of the social media stuff on Pirate Radio 92.7 FM, which, of course, uh, we're partnered with Pirate Radio at Hoist the Colors. So I appear on their programming multiple times per week, especially during football season. I have a great relationship with those guys. Glenn's been trying to get on the podcast for a while now, so looking forward to having him on. And uh, we're going to discuss a lot of different things with him, go over a lot of you know, behind the scenes stuff as far as media coverage. And, you know, I think some of you may be more interested in that than others, but I always like talking about some random stuff like that behind the scenes rather than just stuff that is front and center that everybody can kind of see as far as reporting and all that. But uh, we'll get into that in a little bit. Wanted to first touch on a few notes to start the podcast. So, yeah, ECU will begin practice on Wednesday, August 3rd. They report August 2nd. So, busy few days ahead for the Pirates. And as far as media coverage, it looks like we will have about two days during the week and then every Saturday in terms of being out, able to go out there, report on what's happening and take pictures, take video, that sort of stuff. There will be multiple scrimmages in the preseason leading up to the uh, to, to game week, obviously, when they roll into game week in late August. And they actually kind of go into their in-class schedule uh, you know, prior to that. And so they go into their in-season schedule as soon as classes start. So camp will run until late August. We'll have coverage on position battles, injuries, uh, you know, guys who are maybe exceeding expectations, guys who reported in good shape, guys who maybe need to uh, do some work to fulfill expectations. You know, every camp you kind of have a surprise or two, both positively and negatively. You know, hopefully for ECU's sake, a lot of these guys stay healthy. Um, and especially up front along the offensive line, which is going to be critical for this season. On the recruiting front, if you follow us on 24-7 Sports, you notice that now every recruit in ECU's 2023 recruiting class has received a composite score ranking. And right now the Pirates, as we record this on Sunday afternoon, have 13 commitments 
They are ranked 60th nationally by the 24-7 sports composite in terms of their recruiting ranking. And so that's just where it stands right now. And it's it's a it's a scenario where, you know, they're not going to be able to add but so much more to this class. It's going to be a smaller class. You've got 13 commitments. So, you know, I would say right now you're probably looking at ECU with the top 70 ceiling as far as national class because you're going to add a few more commitments, probably high-profile commitments if everything goes according to plan. But after that, you're going to see a lot of schools add 20 to 25 commitments this cycle. ECU is probably only, only going to take around 15, 16 high school kids slash JUCO. So, you know, the, the, the quantity just isn't going to be there. I feel like the quality is right now, but the quantity right now is kind of a, you know, it's there right now compared to a lot of other classes, but there, there's going to reach a point in time where ECU will not be able to have the, the number of commits as other schools in their region or in their uh, – in their rankings region in terms of being able to move up the rankings further. So I don't get too caught up in that. I think a lot of these guys are underrated anyways, not by 24 seven sports specifically, but more so by the other networks that factor into the 24 seven sports composite. The composite score is different from the 24 seven sports score and that it totals on three sports rivals and ESPN and their average recruiting ranking then comes into what the composite is. So that is different from what 24 seven sports evaluators specifically rate a kid as. So uh, really good class right now. I like the projectability. I like that Demoris Jenkins got a very high score from 24 seven sports, the edge rusher out of Charlotte, big upside, even though he has some growing to do in terms of football, uh, Tay Seymour, another linebacker out of Georgia, who I'm really high on. It's good to see him get a really fair ranking from 24-7 sports due to his speed at the linebacker position. So we uh, we got a lot to do as far as recruiting coverage in the uh, the weeks ahead uh, because I think there's going to be some, some more news. Raheem Jeter, the former West Virginia commitment who visited ECU on Wednesday, we had an article about Jeter. We took, caught up with him after the visit. He has decommitted from West Virginia. And, you know, I've been here for the past several weeks. West Virginia was not really sold on the three-star quarterback. They wanted him to come to camp to throw in person for offensive coordinator Graham Harrell, who was hired after Jeter committed in December. And so they just didn't feel like there was a very good marriage there. And as a result, I, I, I think that ECU threw its hat into the ring a couple months ago, really continued to push while West Virginia wavered. Now Jeter backs off his West Virginia commitment. And as a result, I think ECU sits in a very good spot right now. So I put in a crystal ball for ECU. I don't think it's a done deal. I think he's going to continue to get recruiting attention because it's a case where other schools are going to see he's decommitted now and that interest is going to be there from other programs needing a quarterback this time in the recruiting cycle. So keep an eye on Raheem Jeter. He might return for the NC State game for another visit. Also, Aiden Duncanson is set to announce his commitment on Monday, August 1st. I've put in a crystal ball for Aiden Duncanson, the three-star DB out of Georgia. And so those two guys are high-end quality players that could take this class to another level if the Pirates can get their commitments. So Raheem Jeter, Aiden Duncanson, there's others as well who we've talked about. Jonathan Klein. You've also got Nate Branch, Coastal Carolina wide receiver commit who are high on ECU's board and a few other offensive linemen as well. All right, we are going to catch up with Glenn Griffin on the other side. Stay tuned to the Hoist of Colors podcast where we welcome in.
Glenn Griffin. All right, welcome back into the Hoist the Colors podcast. The people have been asking for it. They've been asking for the big dog, Glenn Griffin, and we have finally delivered the big dog, Glenn Griffin. They want to get the big dog. (laughs) The big dog is here. Glenn Griffin is in the house. He's making his Hoist the Colors podcast debut. Glenn, welcome to the pod, man. It's been a long time coming. Thank you, Steven. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I appreciate it, man. The people have been asking, and I feel like we've got to deliver what the people ask for. That's yeah. And, you know, that's that's our job. That And that's the thing, too. Like, people are like, are, are you going to have Glenn on the show to, like, break down the upcoming football season and all that? I'm like, no. Nah, like, we're just going to talk about what it is, kind of the grind of – of what covering ECU sports is like. And so, uh, you know, I want to get into that here in a little bit as far as, as, you know, especially doing social media this day and age and all that sort of stuff. And and you do a lot more than me with all that on Pirate Radio. But, Glenn, let's start first for people who maybe aren't as familiar with you. What exactly, you know, is your role at Pirate Radio? I don't even know your official title because you do everything. Uh, Do you have an official title for Pirate Radio? And uh, what's your role? I think – like if it was a classical, if it was like a classic title, it would be creative director, I would say. Um, and so that's what that's what I would ride with, you know. That's what a business card would say. That's what my business card does say. I think it, it's either creative director or digital director, but it's all the same. Um, yeah, fair enough. And it's kind of recent. I mean, up until maybe the past year or two. It was a one-man operation socially as far as, like, making the content. Um, you know, I, I, the team contributes to the hot reads and stuff like that, but our videos, everything was – was it, graphics and all that kind of went through me for, for a long time. But look, we've been lucky lately that we've added some members to the team, so I appreciate that as well. Yeah, you stay busy as uh, as we all do in this field. Uh, how did you take us back to when you first got involved with Pirate Radio? Like, when did that start? Did you start, you know, part time and work your way into kind of a full time role, or how did that all play out? Uh, yeah, I mean, I would say it was, we started just on a project by project basis, and that was at the beginning of what I would call like the rush for like twenty four seven social media. You know, that's, that's a job (laughs) that is a full-time job, as you know, Um, because people say, well, you don't, you know, you may work from home or you may may work away from the office, so to speak. But, you know, a lot of the times you're just always on call, you know, you you just might have to drop what you're doing and and go at the moment at a a moment's notice. Um. And that's kind of, to me, that's what the job's evolved into is the ability to make content at a moment's notice when something happens. Um, there's like a news aspect to it that I, I like. Um, how we got there is interesting. And it kind of comes from the news. My very first job out of college, I worked as the... Uh, it was, I was a 21 year old creative director for the news for the newspaper websites for Kinston, New Bern, and Jacksonville. Um, and I would probably would have continued in the news side of things and been more like a Stephen Igo versus having the creative route to get here. Um, had it not been for 9 11, 
9-11 happens, and this is telling my age, but I was 21 at the time, I had, and I had a high-paying job in an exploding field, um, and it crashed the market. You know, news, it changed, it changed, it changed things for everybody. But for whatever reason, um, there was definitely like a secondary dot-com bust there. Uh, where people divested in that type of stuff for whatever reason. Um, so that was like a pivotal moment. And that drove me from bit from like the Kinston, Jacksonville, New Bern area to Greenville. Um, I started working with an ad agency in Greenville, worked there for a long time, had a very a successful career um, as an art director. Um, worked on you know million dollar pro projects and accounts like the crystal coast tourism stuff i did that for a long time um for emerald Isle, carteret county atlanta beach that was like a big client Krispy cream was a big client um i dabbled in transformers for a bit and actually designed some characters and came up with some backstories and color schemes and such uh for convention exclusives as a side project um and like spoke on comic panels and such. There's, there's got to be footage somewhere, but I've never seen the footage. Um, there's definitely photos. I have photos of it. So, uh, what a wild time. Um, and then that career kind of, I wanted to do something more. Um, my mom developed cancer and beat it. Uh, and so I took a route into chemistry and pharmaceuticals and medicine for a little bit. Um, that landed me at ECU, uh, where I was, uh, I was trying to get a, du a double, but I ended up with a single degree. I was trying to do a double bio and chemistry degree at the same time. Um, well, I got, you know, we passed and we went on to metrics, uh, which is now under a different name in Greenwald, working in pharmaceuticals for a while. While I was there, uh, and I was working on gastrointestinal cancer medicine, same thing that my mom had. So it was all relevant. Um, that dream had kind of worked out. Uh, and then one day I woke up and my left leg didn't work that changed everything. Another big life-changing moment. Um, the story of how we got to pirate radio is complicated, but we're going to get there in just like a few minutes. Um, so that was the first sign of multiple sclerosis. I had multiple sclerosis. Um, it, it presented itself more in the coming years. Um, it made it where I couldn't work 40 hours a week on them in a, in a lab. You know, I just, that was not the thing for me. The stress was immense and it was causing reactions in my body. Um, so I had to do something less stressful and somehow through the grace of luck and the Lord above, I ended up on the steps of Jonathan Ellery and Troy Dreyfus's office. They're a side project through a friend that led to a side project for pirate radio. Um, 
and it started on a project by project basis. We worked well together. Developed the data, like I spoke before, they developed the need for like 24-7 social media. Honestly, we didn't do anything visually with the press conferences and stuff at the time. I feel like we kind of changed the game there by doing more video, especially with we we talk about the grind, the grind of the practices and those press conferences. You know, there's an aspect of coverage to that that I feel like you don't get elsewhere. Um, we really try to give you the whole picture. You know, we don't we don't chop it up as much as other people. We give you the whole pie and let you di digest it yourself. Um, we try to give the fans the whole picture. We want the fans to be like, you know, they're in the room with us, I guess is the idea. Uh, and so that developed into like the current position, which is we cover everything that the major sports at ECU do digitally. Plus we have, I mean, the, the whole other side to it, aside from what, I have in common with Igo is that we've expanded the studio at Pirate Radio to have feeds for all our shows on YouTube, YouTube and Facebook Live. That was a huge undertaking. We completely redid the studio. Um, we did all that from kind of scratch and learned from like the seat of our pants, uh, but we got it done. Um, I think that's something we kind of take pride at in Pirate Radio is that we we're like ECU. We do a lot with a little, you know, we may do with what we got here in East North Carolina and we get it done, whatever the project may be. Now, is it done at some grandiose barstool level or ESPN level? No, it's not. Um, but I think we do a pretty decent job and we do funny videos and we make ourselves relevant on social media. Um, Clip produces great content every day on Pirate Radio Live. That is an unbelievable job that he does three hours a day, every, five days a week. Um, and I think he's at his best this month when there's nothing happening. I think we produce some of our best content in July when you have nothing else and you kind of got to make it on your own. Like the Survivor episode. I think the Survivor episode is a great tradition that we do. And I don't think people understand how hard it is to do three hours. Like, like a one-hour show is fairly straightforward and easy. Two-hour shows is tough, but it can be done. Three hours, three hours. I mean, that is just is brutal. And I mean, I know just hosting a podcast, and I used to have my own show with Pirate Radio. You know, before the pandemic kind of changed some things and. I would just do one hour a week. And granted, that wasn't my full-time job, but that's when you really get an appreciation for clip. And, which, and you know, producer like Shirley Rhodes, she's back there. Yeah. She's not just sitting there doing nothing. Yeah, it's, it's the team. We have an unbelievable team at Pirate Radio. I can't say that enough. You know, that it makes everything so much easier because the people that we have, we, like we sunk, we somehow have this Avengers-esque team of people that have specific talents that fill specific roles, and they somehow found their way there. It's 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 a bit of the island of misfit toys, and that you know we all have our quirks, you know, but also at the same time we all have legit superpowers that make us the whole unbelievable, you know. Um, 
We can pull all crazy things. I mean, I, I feel like the Pirate Radio football kickoff party is a crazy thing. And it's happening this year. You know, it went away for a little bit because of, of, of COVID, but it's back, man. And wow. Like, it, not only is it back, but we're doing it bigger and better than ever. We're doing it in a new venue. Um, it's a venue that I feel like if I would have brought that venue to Troy and LRB a few years ago, they would have told me no. But now, like, we've progressed to the point that it's not a pie in the sky idea anymore. Like, them locking that down. And they came up with them. I mean, it was their, this is their bit. Um, once again, it's like a superpower stuff. Like it's the ability to get stuff done um, that gets pirate radio through. I mean, I'm, just, I'm happy to be a part of it. Like it, yeah. it like you said, it's hard to define a role because we all wear a lot of different hats. Yeah, no, that's very true. Cause just going over there and doing my guest appearances, like seeing you guys, y'all will be at different stations every time I go in there or working on different things. So, I mean, that's, that's always awesome. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's the, the pirate radio kickoff party. Like you said, like it's, it's one thing for, uh, you know, for, for some big corporation to throw a kickoff party, but for a radio station to do it and do it extremely well, like that just speaks to the but level. For the tune of thousands of people. Yeah. So, I think our record is like 2,800 or somewhere around there in the building. And that's, that's unbelievable. <laughs> that's insane. Yeah, you know, um, yeah. so I'm, I'm real proud of the the uh, success we've had with that. I mean, that, and then I would add to that, like the development of our streaming stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty proud of that, and you know, we're always trying to make that better. We're always trying to come up with new ideas. I mean, we have a creative idea every Monday morning or a creative meeting, you know, of sorts, where we just hash out ideas, you know, and and it's so helpful to the team. Um, I'm really trying to put over the, t- I am trying to put over the team more than myself. Like I'm not trying, but I'm not trying to be unsincere about it. Like it's, it's legit. Like when you ask me what I do, it's, I have a team that I help lead. Right. No, it's, it, it's as legit and sincere as it gets. Like I'm, I'm so proud of what we're able to do there. Let's talk about, you know, these press conferences we go to or these events we cover. And, and, you know, for me, like I see there's other media, but as far, you know, obviously Brian Bailey is the goat of, uh, I think, you know, he's been here forever. So he's like the undisputed goat. Um, so like, I'll put that on wax anywhere. I'll put it on a, on a, on a plaque. That is my dude. I, he's never done me wrong. Um, he's never ate. We got in a fuss once, and it wasn't even his fault. It was Troy's fault, and I. It, so it's not. It, we're we are golden. Like that. That's that is my guy for for life. No bad. No bad words about uh double B. Yeah, Bailey's the man. So uh, I, I just feel like when I go to a press conference, I can count on Channel Nine. I can count on you guys at Pirate Radio will have somebody there. Obviously, the reflector, it's been a change with Ronnie Woodward leaving, but I think Patrick Mason's done a great job. And he's Yeah, I think he's kind of cementing himself in there. I think yeah. he's done a good job. And, he's, and you know, he said I, stuff I, to learn, I, but he's figured it out. I wanted to point out, like, you know, we, right now we're in baseball season or football season, but the, the season to learn how to work the ECU beat is baseball season. Because 100%. of – because of the scope of it. 
like that's that's how I learned it. Um, I think that's how CJ's learned it uh, behind me is that's how you learn to work the beat. It's the repetition of baseball season. That's how you get that's how you get ready for football season, I guess, because football season is a little bit quicker. Everything is a little bit more instantaneous, whereas baseball has a different pace. And I can't when I think if you ask me what my number one experience would be, it, it's hundred and it the winning whatever. It's it is more about the winning. Like Cliff is right. <laughs> it's more about the winning. Or no, it's it's not about the winning. It's it's more about the the experience and like the people you meet and the relationships you have. It's more about it's it's all about that. The winning is just the icing. Um so anyway, that I just interjected there because if you asked me like what well, the number one thing would be or my takeaway from all this, it would be like, if you've got to learn the ECB, that's how you do it. Well, it, it's funny you mentioned that because when I started Hoist the Colors, we were independent and this was like 2010 or 11. I can't, I think it was 2011, spring of 2011. And I was trying to work my way into getting credentials. And Tom McClellan was running the department at that time. So naturally he, you know, he was a little skeptical of me, like reaching out saying, hey, can I get credentials as this independent meeting site? So what, you know, what I did or what I had to do was they said, hey, you can cover a baseball game. We'll see how it goes. And I ended up covering every game that entire season in 2011 and basically learning the beat, learning the people. You know, Malcolm Gray does such a great job with baseball that he makes it a true professional environment. He's the SIV now for, for all of ECU athletics, but really for baseball. He makes it such a professional environment. I learned so much that season that when football season got there, I had earned the trust of the people. And it, it honestly made football – I'm not going to say it made covering football easy, but it made it a whole lot easier. And you felt comfortable because ECU baseball is so big. You know, it's it's such a big deal. And, so you're dealing with the, and you're dealing with the same ideas and such, like mm-hmm. you said. You know, you're dealing with the same people. And that's – like, you, it, it just gives you time to like sit there and develop their relationships as opposed to being in a rush to talk to somebody else. Yeah. And the best thing about baseball is we, we get to go on the field right after the game. There's no, I mean, there is a cooling off period, Glenn, but you know this well than anybody. If you don't have your ass down there in three minutes after the final, out, you're going to be missing uh, an opening statement from a player. I mean, it, it goes quick, man. So, like, in football, we have to wait 30 minutes sometimes for interviews. But in baseball, we're doing it in, what, three minutes? Oh, it's it's instantaneous. And I like that interaction. I mean, I, I jones for it. Like, that, that's the good stuff. Um, and I, I don't say that, like, as a I, – I, there's just a connection there. Like, it, it's it's a, it's a, it be electrical – and then, like the emotions you feel after a loss are so raw, um, it's really it's totally different than the football press conferences. And that's not to throw that's not to throw dirt on them in any way because they're their own thing. They are they are different, and they are special in a different way. Um, because there's definitely an energy when Houston walks into that room after a win or after a loss. The energy change is unreal. Um, and you experience the same emotions. It's just it's in a different way. It's in a different format. Um, yeah, but yeah, I love baseball. 
I want to agree with you. <laughs> That's the whole point of that, I guess, is that if, you, if you're going to learn to be, learn it with baseball. Yeah, it, it, I mean, and the players are always awesome to deal with. And Cliff is, uh, Cliff can be interesting to deal with, but he's, he'll make you learn quick to ask good questions. Uh, there's no doubt and about that. If you're hard headed, you can become the guy. And you don't want to be the guy. Tyler Feldman? Because there's a guy, there's been a guy, there's been a few of the guys. Because Josh Graham was the guy. And then Feldman was a guy. And I think Feldman took the guy role to a next level, in my, in my feelings. He definitely did. And, and, and he has Feldman's feelings. I have Glenn's feelings. And Glenn's feelings are that he took the guy role to the next level. And I'm not sure you can replace it almost. I know. The we're guy still role. There, yeah, there's no, there's no the guy right now. Is there? No, I, it, there's no the guy because, you know. Mark Lindsay's gone. Mark Lindsay's gone, so, like, there's no awkward questions, really. It's just, like, I think Cliff is waiting for the next guy to come along, but it's not it's not going to happen until somebody obnoxious. It's not even obnoxious. They just got to be not self-aware. Right. But East, that's, really, that's what it is. The East Carolinian usually has a new person every year asking questions and they can be the guy for a short term, but it's just not the same as like a, you know, an actual official guy. <laughs> I miss it. I miss having a guy. Like, I it was, like this season, this football season without Mark Lindsay, my goodness, those press conferences might be dire. They, they might be, it's going to be so professional and well done. And the questions are not going to be off the rails. I, I miss it. Bring you know, the, it back. the sad thing is, and Mark Lindsay, for those unaware, used to work for Rivals.com, and I, I think he's now working full-time in another field. But uh, – I did not know that. Yeah, so I think – yeah, I just think he's – I don't know if it's insurance or something, but a good dude. And we, we obviously pick on him a lot and have some fun with him, but it's all in good fun. It, uh, it is good fun. Mark worked yeah. the beat with us foot, foot on foot for years. And hardworking guy. It's it's only because we, we we feel like we can pick on him because we know him. Like we spent a fair amount of time with the, and he asked funny questions. He would. He just has a, a funny way about himself. And he would somehow get the best answer to the, the like the longer the question went and the more nonsense it it came to speak of. Somehow he would get like the best answer. The better question. I think he was throwing spells. He might be a wizard. He was throwing out these long, nonsensical phrases, and they're actually spells. He he was that's how he got the information out. It's like Harry Potter. It's crazy. He got it out. We got preseason camp coming up. Glenn, um, August third, Wednesday is our first practice, and I was looking at the schedule. Well, no, it's not. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, no. I looked in. I know uh, it is. I just. And uh, it's so it looks like we don't have as much access as past years. It's like two or three times a week, you know, which I think is is fine. Um, and and Coach Houston sometimes will like let us out there more than. Yeah, us. There was there's definitely such a thing as too much access, um, and I feel like two or three times a week is pretty good. You know, as long as we get 
Mike Houston at practice because there's definitely like he definitely has thoughts there in that moment that I don't think he would have if he did it two, three hours later. Like his thoughts would be different. It's the closest thing I think we get to like a pure off the field type of moment. But I guess we get that though when we do stuff in the stadium. We kind of get that. Right. You know, with him. He he's um, he's definitely gotten more comfortable. Like compared his first year to now, I feel like he was I don't want to say strict, but he was definitely more guarded. And now he's kind of we've kind of gained his trust. So he lets us view different stuff, you know. He had to get to know us. He had to get to know who works, who's like the people on the beat and who's like trustworthy, who's not, you know. He had to learn us before he opened up. You know, everything was kind of locked down that first year. Um, but I think now the relationship is much different. Uh, he comes on Pirate Radio quite a bit. He's comfortable in our studio. Um, he has a good good relationship with us. Um, obviously, we have the Pirate Radio athletes that we've signed for NIL deals. I don't think that happens if that relationship is not good. Um, that's something, you know, you talk about innovation at Pirate Radio. That's something that's – I don't want to call – NIL deals innovation, but it's definitely it is innovation in a way because it's something that we're doing that uh, some competitors are not doing. Um, but it's it's cool to have the guys in there on money after a win, no doubt. You know when they're hyped up and they've got some stuff to talk about. That's very it's a very cool vibe. It's a very cool experience. Um, and I don't think he would do that if he thought different of part radio. Um, so. You know, I'm I'm glad for that good relationship because there's definitely been times when the relationship between I don't want to say ECU, but I would say people at ECU and and the and the large us of the media was not good. Jeff Confer. You know, there was definitely yeah, there's definitely yeah, antagonistic times uh, between the media and and, and admins there at uh, East Carolina. Uh, it's not the case currently, and it's a, it's a, it's a good relationship. You got to be pretty, like, I feel like we're pretty fair, and, you know, we, yeah. like the, we give ECU the benefit of the doubt. And so, like, you got to be pretty, I don't even know the word, uh, naive or just. Like got, I mean, they've, for us to go south on something hard, it has to be just. Like, it has to be a justified situation. And that was. Yes. Yes. Every bit of it. Every bit of it. And when I say every bit of it, I'm even talking about the lack of food in the in, in, in the media room at Minji's Coliseum for basketball. I'm even talking about things like that, which I felt like was out of spite. A hundred percent it was. I mean, and yes. uh, I still remember Zach Maskovich, who was working under Bailey at the time. He got in trouble. Sent the tweet about uh, – Tower six or whatever, and it was basically just leftover crackers from the uh, from the night before or the the previous game. So that was a that was a moment that will go down in ECU media history, no doubt. It did, and it wow. I mean, we, I also kind of you know you meet people on the beat working that beat because there's transitory positions at all those TV stations. Yeah. There's people come here, they learn, they go to a bigger market. Zach did it, Feldman did it, and good Lord did Ariel Epstein do it. 
because she's on every TV now. Um, on Apple Plus, I mean, she's she's a, on Yahoo Sports. She probably had the most ridiculous arc of anybody that grew roots here first and then and sprouted off. Um, but Maskovich, I don't know. He's gotten he's gotten in trouble for two tweets in his lifetime. Are we allowed to talk about the other tweet that he got in trouble for legally? The national anthem. Oh, we were. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay, we are. All yeah. right. Yeah. I mean, that's the craziest story that I can think of anybody that we've been associated with or like known. I think that's the craziest story to like come out of a Greenville tangent uh, in the sports media world. Like we've had crazy things happen here locally, um, but man, that was crazy. Like they had they had true national impact, and they had to take it off the betting books right after yeah. it. And- that's what I mean by national impact. Yeah. Like the mob was mad at Zach Maskovich. He was <laughs> and that dude we know that and is an Orioles fan. <laughs> like a, a person we knew had like the national mob mad at him. And legitimately, like I don't think he I don't want to say he can't talk about it, but he's definitely not comfortable talking about it. He I don't think yeah, I wouldn't be either. We can talk about it because, I mean, you can Google it. <laughs> he did it, and it's out there. If you want to Google Zach Maskovich National Anthem to figure out what we're talking about, uh, yeah, that was, a, that was a crazy point in time. Um, all right, let's – we could go on all day, Glenn. So, let's try to, to wrap it up with this. That was a tangent story. Um, well, actually, two things. I got to ask you about Vince Man, which might take forever. But uh, first, before we do that – I'm going to do that pretty short. Um, so, like, you look back, is there any one single player, coach, or moment from an interview or a press conference that really stands out to you? I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, but is there anybody that just stands out as, man, he was an awesome interview all the time or just came through or a moment that you remember in terms of doing that? All right. I'm going to expose my fandom for one person, one coach, and I'm going to explain why. All right. I can only do this because I don't work the beat like I used to now. I feel like I'm more behind the scenes now, so I can say these right. things. I would run through a brick wall for Cliff Godwin. That is my dude. And it's not because of the winning. You know what? It's because, like, so I feel a kinship with anybody from here. And he's from here. And he's from the same area I'm from, literally. He's from Snow Hill. I'm from the northern parts of Lenore County. Um, so we're near we, – we grew up in the same area. Um, we have a similar upbringing. His parents taught him similar values to what my parents taught me. When he talks, it's like I'm talking. Like it, I, I have those moments like where he's talking about the things that his parents taught him, and it resonates with me on that level. Um, if that's being a Mark and a fan, then I'm just a Mark dude. Like I, I don't care. I like, I can't help it. Like if you designed a coach, regardless of sport, if you were, if you designed a coach that would be like exactly what I would want, it'd be him. (laughs) I can't deny it. Like as far as his upper, as far as like his, his lessons in life and the way he talks about his parents and those things, 
that is my dude. And I can't uh I can't deny that. I mean that's that's my guy. He's ECU in Eastern North Carolina to to a T. I mean that is just yeah, I, mean, like I, I can't I couldn't ask for more of an East Carolina coach and to be in that much of an Eastern North Carolina guy. Hundred percent. And that's why fans love him. He's not even an ECU guy. Like he's an Eastern North Carolina guy. You know, it's 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 we talk about it. And to my moment with him, I'll I'll end with this on on Cliff. Yeah, it's not after a win. It's after the bad loss in the nineteen regional, where he talked about the pressure. That was Quinnipiac. Yes. The bad loss in, in 2019, in the 2019 regional, um, where he talked about the pressure that the kids were under. And that, that was like, it, it, like the shell definitely broke there for a moment. Right. Um, and you got, you really got like true raw stuff. Um, and I, I'm forever thankful to have been in the room for when that happened. And that whole regional. Like when they beat NC State, and then before they had even won the regional, he would he would lose it after the the press conferences because just everything he was feeling, I think stemming from that initial press conference, you know, yeah. as they worked their way out of the losers bracket, he he just like he would be like, I don't know what's going on, but like I can't control my emotions. That was a very emotional regional, but yeah. that first one, the loss where he talked about the pressure that the kids were under and the things we didn't realize, um. That one was one that resonated and and, and sticks with me. Um, Scotty Montgomery's press conference when we knew he was getting fired. <laughs> I hate to laugh, but that was that was a brutal one. That was a brutal one, right? We talked you know, about bad press conferences. That was a bad press conference. Yeah, that that was tough because uh, we all knew uh, Maskovich was being very antagonistic that day. Yep. Uh, he was being he was he was biting um but to the dude's credit he didn't crack i'll give him that yeah the most credit he did not crack in that moment i i i kind of at the time i thought if i was in his shoes what i what i might have said if i knew that i was done and i was in this room full of people that were judging me what would happen you know and to that dude's credit he didn't crack so good on him um I, I will say that dude got pushed into an unfortunate situation. Yes, uh, he is. It's like if somebody offered you an absurd amount of money for a job that you were not qualified for, but they had full confidence you could do it, you would take the money. You have to. Yes, everybody would do it. You have to take it because the money's only on the table once. Yep, you got to take it. So he took the money and tried to figure it out on the way. And just it, it just over the over his head, yeah. And it's not like he didn't work hard. I mean, he worked his ass off. It just didn't work out. And he was a. I don't think he would. He gets kind of a bad rap as like this arrogant jerk, and and maybe he was to an extent to some people. But I, I, I never I had that issue. With him. I put it on the admin around him. Yeah, I, I, it's the ad. It was the admin around him. They were horrible. They had all that branding of Coach Mo. Right after losing Ruff, that whole deal where they were going to try to make him this instant superstar with this branding initiative, the the wall poster in uh, in the mall in Raleigh, yeah, um, 
all that stuff. Like even like the conference, even the press conference posters had a golden coach Mo signature on them. Yep. For a short time. Um, that whole deal, man, that was bad. That's the worst stuff we ever experienced. <laughs> um, to talk about Vince to wrap this jewel up. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody um, asked, uh, is there any, anything creative that can be done to get Vince McMahon, I guess, basically back to giving the ECU or involved with ECU now that he's retired? So I don't know how you get to Vince, but my appeal to Vince, if I had, like, if you put me on somehow, like, if he called me at, he did one of those infamous, like, 3 a.m. in the morning phone calls, like, hey, Val, what are you doing? <laughs> Because he'll apparently do that to just like random people he works with, um, and like ask me for an idea, I would tell him a good idea for his public relations to save himself would be if he went to his alma mater and bumped it up to the next level, Boone Pickens style. You know, if he came down here and invested some money in in his his home area, his his. Uh, the university he went to, the university he attended, it would help his public image, maybe. <laughs> like, <laughs> maybe. I mean, because I don't know how much more there is. Right. And if you're ECU, you, I mean, you take the damn money. Well, so here's the thing. But we've already clarified when the money's on the table, you have to take it. 100%. Uh, so if Vince came knocking, you would have. Yes, you take the money. Yep. You can build the building and change the name later. Exactly. Exactly. Once all this investigating is, is done and over with, if, if more comes out, so be it. But you take the money and you run. And you spend it immediately. Yes. Immediately. <laughs> you, tie up that, you tie up all of that money immediately every dime you get. And then you just change the name later if more stuff, bad stuff comes out. If this is it, we can handle it. Yep. Yeah, ECU is uh, not in a position to turn down millions. No, it's not Vince did, it's, and what Vince did was slimy, but it was not illegal. What was illegal was is that Vince tried to hide it. Right. It was the cover-up. The cover-up was worse than the crime, often the case. Many yeah. such cases. Very much so. Well, Glenn, let's wrap it up, man. We could go on forever. We'll have to get you back on. Uh, the Big Dog makes his Hoist the Colors podcast appearance. I appreciate you taking some time out, man. It was about yeah. it was about literally nothing, and it lasted forty five minutes to an hour. It was it was what I wanted. It was everything I wanted. There's so much more we'll talk about in a future episode, maybe after football season. Yeah, I said I would be unscripted, and I didn't have a plan, and that's basically what this was—just two guys talking. And this yeah, is so what we're talking about Yep. So this is perfect. Okay. So, Glenn, appreciate it again, man. We will uh, we'll stay in touch with you. And that will do it for this edition of the Hoisted Colors podcast. Appreciate you guys listening. We'll be back with you later in the week for preseason camp coverage. Until next time, thanks for listening.